Welcome to WEHC with She Walks with Carly Blaylock and Sharon Bowers. And we are so excited to be in the studio once again and have you as our audience. We have just finished up Women's History Month and boy, did we have what I think was a ball. So Carly and I, we're going to talk a little bit about it just to remind you of some of the things. I hope you tuned into some of it. If not, um, next year's always coming. Next March will be Women's History Month again and we'll be doing same type of things. But hopefully along the way, we'll be able to to continue this through our radio show. Carly, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. I've had a nice relaxing holiday and we are wrapping up right now, getting ready to go into finals. So, um, you know, helping the students kind of do last minute planning there, but it's been really good. Yeah, I was on a meeting earlier today and they just said that classes in Friday. Yeah, I know. It's wild. <sighs> it's been a long haul. This has been a long <laughs> semester. <laughs> Yes, it definitely has been. <laughs> but we really had a good time. Back in March, uh, we had Women's History, and we had some really good things going on. We're just going to talk about a couple of them and chronicle and hope that you got to listen in or visit or attend. And if you didn't, just some high points from each of them. Like one of the things that we were able to do, as always, we have a, a message, and it's on our website, the Women and Gender Studies website. It's also on DEI's website. But we had a message from our president just kind of endorsing Women's History Month and an opportunity to have a women's center here on our campus and so we are really excited about that but one of the first things we did Carly I don't know if you were in attendance to that or not but we were able to talk to some clergy some female clergy uh, some in our area some were alumni from Emory and Henry and some were just other women and 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 uh, many of them were part of the United Methodist denomination so we got to talk to them about some of those kinds of things and it was really interesting to to hear them talk about the challenges that they went through and are still going through as women clergy. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think I was able to attend that event specifically, but I know that a lot of the women clergy um, that you are friends with attended a lot of our other events as well, which was really cool to spend time with them and just get perspectives of, you know, women who are trailblazers, right? They're trailblazing in this very patriarchal field. And, you know, I just think it's so interesting to hear, you know, women's perspective on theology and feminist interpretations of theology and all of that stuff. I think it's so interesting. Yeah. And some of them were on there talking about womanist theology also. And some of them were just talking about real time about their call to preach Mm. and a lot of the opposition and resistance that they receive from men because, you know, religion is a, a male-dominated area, and they use the Bible to support that. And so they, they were real transparent, and they talked about, you know, that becoming a minister or becoming clergy is more than a passing fancy. You know, they talked about how, like some of the things you mentioned, Carly, how difficult it is, and even how some of them still experience oppression from their congregation. We talked about things like horizontal sexism, and we've talked about this on our show before, but it really shows up in in the, the religion arena, I guess, in churches, in places where, quote unquote, the Bible has supported male leadership and female subordination. And not only are men the ones who cause them the greatest problems, but they talked about how women actually are sometimes as bad or worse than men who don't want them in those arenas. Oh, yeah. 
I, I definitely think that is the case. And, you know, I wonder too, you know, how supportive were their families when they told them like, I'm going to go and I'm going to be a preacher. Like what, yeah. what was their family reaction? Like I always think about that too and how brave you have to be to, to do that. I remember the first time I was telling my mom and, and I wasn't, I hadn't been to seminary yet, but I, somebody had invited me to preach or speak or something. I was sitting in the pulpit and I was telling my mom the story and and I said, and of course she's United Methodist, and we've had female bishops for fifty years, but that still doesn't matter to a lot of women. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told her I said something, and I was just having a, just a conversation. I said, yeah, and I was in the pulpit and such and such. She said, what were you doing in a pulpit? That's my mom, you know, my own mom. And of course now she has a female pastor, and you know, growth has happened, and her daughter's <laughs> a, a pastor, and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, it it, it your family sometimes they are not your biggest supporters when you're in. And I think that happens across the board in male dominant uh, arenas. Yeah. When women cross into it, it's just the support is just not there like it is for men. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think some of that comes from concern, like, oh, well, we don't want you to put yourself in a situation where you're going to be ridiculed or hurt or anything like that. But I also think that some of that comes from, you know, oh gosh, you're challenging traditional values. You're challenging the way that things have always been. And you know, that, that fear that that's there for that. Yeah. Yeah. And we had some other things. I don't know if, if any of our listening audience, if we tuned in, but we had some really good people during the, the week, uh, uh, talking with us. Like we had vice president, Jennifer Pierce, uh, women in leadership. And it was, I think it was entitled confidence in mentoring or something, but Carly, can you remember any of the things that, that, uh, VP Pierce told us? I know she was really mentorship had been important to her in her career. Do you remember any of those things? Yeah. She talked a lot about, um, the importance of mentorship and how, you know, that really is a huge key to getting women into these places and spaces where they've not been allowed to be. And we talked a little bit about um, how, you know, seeing women, like the representation is important, but that representation needs to translate into action, which is the mentorship piece. Um, And, you know, we talked briefly about adding mentorship into our campus. And I think that would be a great thing for us to do through the Women's Center um, and really have that piece be there because the way that women navigate the workplace is different. And we need to, to have the mentors there to help us to navigate that, right? Um, and we talked a little bit about, you know, the way that powerful women are portrayed and seen and, you know, how women's personalities often are seen differently in, um, in corporate workspaces and traditionally patriarchal workspaces, which was really interesting as well. Yeah, and I thought that she was really helpful for women because she talked about, you know, climbing the corporate ladder or whatever. And she talked a little bit about how women had been there all along in those places, right. in those spaces, as you said, to help to help her navigate and to help her get through any difficult situations. And she also talked about uh, some of the most difficult bosses she's ever had had been women. And again, right. that goes back to that horizontal sexism. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy or our own worst critic woman to woman. I think part of that is, um, you know, when you are allowed to be the only woman at the table, well, that means that you have to compete against every other woman there. Whereas there can be 10 men at the table, but there's only allowed to be one or two women. But I think the other part of that too is expecting so much and having such high standards for women. This has been especially a top round women of color. There was a great post that was made um, about Katanji Brown Jackson and how it basically said from her perspective, like, you know, you may not have to be great, 
or even good, but I have to be both great and good all the time, everywhere, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think women have felt that as a whole, but particularly women of color in the sense of like, you know, proving yourself, having to be the best in the room to even get in the room, right? Um, and I think that's a, a huge thing that women experience, particularly women of color. Yeah, as a woman of color, as a black woman, all of those things that you're saying, Carly, are so true. And you know, the sad part about it is it doesn't stop. You rarely get invited to the table, but when you do get invited to the table, you're supposed to not say anything. Mm -hmm. And then there are all those things that happen with other women, predominantly white women, that you're supposed to look good while you're there. And if you don't happen to look good, whatever that is, all those things are in quotations. Audience, you can't see that, but all those things are in quotations. Then, then all of the stereotypes come on, you know, so you're, you can't be, you have to be quiet. You can't mm -hmm. contribute. And then we've talked about this before too, how, you know, you can say something and it's not heard and then a, a man can come and say it and it's a great idea. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And, and maybe in the future, we'll get a chance to talk about uh, Katanji Brown Jackson and that whole piece, because I thought it was dreadful and, and especially it was dreadful because we knew what the final outcome was going to be. Everybody knew that she was going to be confirmed. Mm -hmm. So all of those embarrassing, mean-spirited moments before, that was white power structure, white male power structure on display. And, and, and it really it really made no sense because the ultimate, what they were saying and doing wasn't going to change a thing. No. And they did it anyway. They did it anyway. And so many people from, you know, there were so many people who praised her look how calm, cool, and collected she is. Look how much grace she has. Look how level-headed she is. She is taking all of this in stride. And yes, but she had to, right? She didn't have a choice. And she shouldn't have been put in a position where she had to, to take it in stride, to, to you, know, you know, hear all of this stuff and just still take it. And, yeah. you know, we shouldn't put people in those positions in the first place, especially Black women. And so, you know, it's like, yeah, commend her for that. But also, why was she put in that position in the first place? Yeah, yeah. I hope we get a chance to to maybe talk about that. We've got some upcoming shows, and, and, and it's almost summer. And maybe we can just get a little wild in the summer with our audience and, and, and say and do some things that we haven't been doing the regular time. But uh, there was another person, uh, Christine Harris, uh, came on our show, on radio. Maybe you all heard that. And she was talking about women in leadership and specifically women in the workplace, and Carly, I don't know if you remember any key points from that or not, but um, I just can remember her just talking. I know I remember she talked about the Crown Act and she talked about, mm -hmm. you know, that that just got passed. Ironically enough, with Katanji Brown Jackson having a twist or having sister locks, I wear sister locks. If any of you all seen us, see me, uh, Carly doesn't wear them yet, but I... <laughs> <laughs> but but I wear sister locks. And so we were talking, uh, I, I remember Christine Harris was talking to us about in the workplace about women, uh, how they have to dress, how they have, especially black women, their hair, what they can wear, what they can't wear. And so it's just ironic that now, you know, finally some of those legislative kinds of things got passed where we can be who we be. And so we now have a Supreme Court judge, the highest court in the law that wears sister locks. She's my sister. <laughs> it's amazing. But, yeah, but do you remember any of the kinds of things that Christine, Christina Aris shared with us just as, as workplace uh, uh, connections? Yeah, we talked a little bit about professionalism, right? And, and 
this idea of like what professionalism even is and who decided what's professional and who decided what's not professional, right? Which would be white men in case anyone was wondering. And so, <laughs> you know, like how do, how do women navigate that, right? And sort of deconstructing our ideas around what is professional, what isn't professional. When it comes to the way we look, yes, but also Christine shared that she had gotten emotional at work that week and how she had to kind of deconstruct her shame around that because we are told like, work is not the place for emotions, right? You don't cry at work. That's embarrassing. You don't do that. That's unprofessional. And we need to deconstruct those ideas, right? Because we are all human. And so she talked a little bit about that. And she talked about, you know, the the things that women have to deal with that, you know, men don't think about like, you know, breastfeeding. Is there a safe, quiet place for women to pump or breastfeed? You know, where what are we providing women? Are we providing them these spaces? And not all places are. And most places don't think, most workplaces don't think about the unique needs that need to be in place for women um, and that flexibility that women often need. Yeah. And, it, and sometimes in general, people are just challenged by women who we are in the workplace, those unique needs like you're talking about, as well as just our presence. You know, it's sometimes a challenge and our desire to be cooperative and collaborative in our leadership and to work. You know, one thing that you can say about women in general is that they get along well with others. <laughs> you know, like the things that they were putting on your report card in the first grade is still true about women, but it's not necessarily true and or expected to be true about men. Men don't have to get along with anyone. They just have to lead and lead the way that people say lead well. But, right. you know, they can have, you know, really poor relationship dynamics at work. As long as they're leading, it's okay. But for women, the relationship dynamics are extremely important. So because, and it, and I think it should be, not because I'm a woman, but because you're at work so many hours of the day. Yeah. You know, you have a work family. Some people have a work husband, a work wife, a work partner, just because you spend so much time at work. So I thought that Absolutely. that was, that was good for her to share with us some of those things. I think we also talked with Sydney Leonard and we talked about, you know, uh, leadership as a young person and even about ageism. And I, I thought all the interviews were phenomenal, but I especially thought that it resonated with me. One, I could see myself in her. I guess I had a, got to look back, reflect on, yeah, she's powerful. I used to be powerful too, you know, that kind of thing. But then also I could remember the pain of being young and being leader, a leader and how people treated me in the workplace. And so do you right. remember some of the things that she shared with us regarding that? It was kind of bordered on ageism and some of those things. Yeah. So we, we also kind of touched on the professionalism piece because, um, you know, we talked a little bit about like what we dress like, how we present ourselves. Um, but yeah, she definitely got into the, the ageism kind of on the other side. We had talked about ageism um, you know, for older women, but for young women who have just entered the workforce um, and the way that they are treated and how young men are not necessarily treated the same way. Young men are rising stars and they tend to be like, you know, put under someone's wing to, you know, kind of guide them along their path. And this is, again, why mentorship is so important, important for women. But yeah, and I think, too, you know, Sydney had been a leader on campus. Um, she had been so involved in things. Um, you know, in her uh, academic life as a student. And then when she transitioned from a student into a um, professional position, it was like, oh, well, now you got to start back at square one. And all that trust and that agency that she was given as a student leader was suddenly not there anymore. And, you know, that was a, a, a very jarring transition for her to have to go through, for sure. 
Yeah. I just heard from her recently. I'm sure you have too, because you work closer with her, but that she's getting to present a paper. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, so that, I think that's her first official academic position paper. Mm -hmm. So I'm wishing her well and hoping that she does well and hoping that it is the beginning of many. And I sent her a message and said, Hey, what about that doctor, that PhD or that EDD? You know, something's got to come. She's so young. She can have all that done, all that taken care of and, yeah. and continue rising like the star that she is. Yeah. yeah she will knock it out of the park. She'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we talked with uh, Carly Gaskin. We talked about violence against women and her role here on campus. And I know you've worked closely with her on some other projects. And so if you could just remind us a little bit about what that was, Carly, what we talked about. Yeah, so part of her, her interview was basically talking about, you know, the resources that are available and why um, having an office for violence against women is so important on campus. Um, and we also talked about confidential reporters versus mandatory reporters, which is something that people often don't really think about um, or they may be unfamiliar with. And we talked about the importance of having confidential reporters, that it is important to have a place and a space for people to share their stories where, where it will not be required that action be taken because not everyone is ready for that. And we talked a little bit about just in general, you know, how to make campus safer, how we can support anyone, uh, men, women, non-binary people who have experienced any sort of sexual assault and trauma and how we can help them navigate that. Um, because unfortunately, statistics show that college campuses are, you know, rife with that. So, you know, kind of how to help students navigate that. Yeah, we had some really, oh yeah, Carly, I forgot. We talked with, with uh, Dr. Tracy Lauder too. Mm -hmm. She came and she talked a little bit about ageism and she talked yes. a little bit about uh, women in leadership. And, and can you remember any of the specifics that she shared with us? I know that it, with the media piece, I mean, she was really phenomenal to just bring to light some of the kinds of things about how feminism, how women exist you know, from a communications and a media perspective. Yes. So we definitely talked about that. We talked about how women are marketed to, yes. um, how, yes. you know, no matter what you do, you're never enough. You have to get the latest, greatest next thing, whether it's a beauty product or clothing or whatever to be what you're supposed to be as a woman. Right. Um, we talked a little bit about how women are, um, are portrayed. Uh, we didn't really get into that as much, but we did talk briefly about that. And, and we did talk about ageism. And of course, um, Tracy shared her experience going gray, letting her hair yeah. go gray, <laughs> and how like that really was eye-opening for her and the way that she was treated when she did let her hair go gray, because it was like, oh, you know, she let herself go. And like, you know, it's seen again, that whole unprofessional piece and just the way that people tend to overlook people with gray hair. And um, and I think people have this idea that men and women both go gray much later in life than they actually do. Um, mm -hmm. And so it it automatically makes you seem, you know, a lot older than you are because that's the way people perceive you. And so all of those kind of dynamics were, were really interesting to hear her perspective on. Yeah, I, I like the gray-haired one because I've been gray around the temples for a long time. And for a long time, I used to try to dye it, but it was almost like dyeing your skin because that hair around there is so soft, you know? So it was almost like I was dyeing my skin. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to let this go. This is who I am. But I can remember 
uh, people would say, are you going to dye your hair? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to dye my hair. This is the hair that I have. And it was especially since it's this halo up front and it's not all the way in the back, all those places, people were kind of like alarmed about it. And of course now the fashion or the vogue is that you get a gray streak or you get a little bit of gray, you know, and that that's, I'm sure, because women have, have, have helped other women to see how exciting it is and how exciting you can live. Uh, to be gray-haired. So, yeah, we had some great shows, and so if you ever want us to air any of those again, or if you're interested in it, just give us a call and let us know. But we had some other things that were going on also. Um, we had, uh, this was right on time, we had a community organizer who came in to help us organize, and she was going to do it from the perspective of women. But we had an incident happen on our campus, and so it was sh shifted. And so we were able to, to figure out how do we organize for change? And so uh, we were able to do that. And then also part of that, the DEI office came in and did a, we had a hate incident on campus. And so the DEI office came in a little bit later and they did a, um, a hate crime during the month of, of women's history. And it wasn't exactly oriented toward women, but was oriented toward people of color and uh, the uh, Jewish ethnic community. But we were able to work with that community organizer to kind of get us going and seeing some things that we need to do to bring about some change. Then one highlight we had, Carly, that was amazing, and I still think about this sometimes about how actual amazing it was, that we actually had a member of SNCC, uh, Joan Trumper Mahalan, on our campus talking with us, eating dinner, laughing, talking, joking. She's about 80 years old. We had her, she and her son were on our campus talking with us about the civil rights movement, and that I'm still blown away about that. And then this is a white woman who got involved with the Student Nonviolent Committee and who who really made a difference and lived her entire life fighting for justice. So I, when I think about it, and she, uh, her son sent me a text the other day and I said, how's, how's Joan, you know? <laughs> and I, so I'm still blown away that, that we were able to on Emory and Henry's campus to have her in the midst. Of, and she wants to come back. She wants to come back and be with us. Yeah. Were you able to be in any, any of that? I was, yeah, that was incredible. She's a legend. Um, it was amazing to, to hear her speak and to get to very briefly meet her. And I think it was amazing to have that, you know, first person account, right? Yeah. Um, of what she actually saw and experienced and, you know, the pictures of, you know, people dumping sugar on her as she's sitting at the, at the counter and things like that. I just, it was amazing to get to hear the um, what was happening behind the scenes when those pictures were taken. And, you know, she was pointing out people in the pictures like, oh, yeah, that was an FBI agent. And this guy over here was undercover police. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it was just wild. But it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, just that this was a, a civil rights activist from the 60s in our presence, like you said, mm -hmm. telling us the behind the scenes and doing all those real kinds of things and just sitting down breaking bread with her. I mean, you know, yeah. we had a faculty connect where faculty were able to come and to ask her questions, you know, that they might not want to ask in front of the students, but more importantly, to ask her questions in ways that they could incorporate this kind of justice into their curricula. So uh, it was just, a, it was just a, a good time was had by all. And her son, who is a, a I think he's an emmy award-winning uh what do you call those people that documentary document yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was there and he was able to go to one of our classes and be there for for two classes i mean firsthand so uh and that was a two for one so we got both of them and 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 he's gonna he's doing some stuff with dei and so he wants to come back and and work with us using his mom for justice so it was just a good time yeah it was amazing
Yeah, yeah. It, it was a, it was a really, really good time. So we just had a bunch of stuff and, and we don't want to just bore you with it, but we hope that you were a part of it. And we had some other things that were going on. Uh, Fred George and our student government president, Janae Wright and Christine Harris, they did some things to talk to, uh, about women and work and finances and money and all of those kinds of things. I mean, it was just, I thought it was power packed. What about you, Carly? I definitely thought it was. It was amazing. Um, we had a, a good variety of events, um, you know, some lectures, some workshops, things like that. And it was just a really great time. And I think the students got a lot out of it. And one of my highlights, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it, it was at the end, but it was with Dr. Jennifer Nash. Dr. Yeah. Jennifer Nash, who is at Duke, she's a, an intersectionologist. She was, she, her book that I wanted her to talk about was Reimagining Intersectionality. And what was so amazing about Dr. Nash, and of course, my dissertation work is on intersectionality. So it was like a smile all day for me. But if you can recall, Carly, what was so amazing about her, about her being there with us is that it didn't matter what question was asked. She had no advanced questions. No, no, we gave her no advanced questions. And it didn't matter what question was asked about whatever. She was able to answer it. That blew me away. She was amazing because, first of all, we had a lot of um, our professors in attendance. And they were asking some very like intense, in-depth questions. And she just knocked it out of the park every time. And, you know, when our students would ask questions, she just had a very... Um, very in-depth way of answering. She didn't go on for a long time, but she just had like wisdom off the bat. And it was amazing. I learned so much from that. It was really, really a very cool experience. I, I did too. I've become a, a groupie of her. And, 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 you know, she was really nice. She said to me, she said, if you wanted, she said, she signed her name like Jen throughout the whole thing and all that. And she said, I'd love to sit down and talk to you about your dissertation. Maybe we could just do a Zoom or something. And I was like, yeah <laughs> i was like cha-ching cha-ching and then i thought embarrassing to tell my work to a scholar like that that i'm using as a reference <laughs> in my dissertation so i kind of backed off of that <laughs> because i thought i'm probably not ready for dr jennifer nash and and what she might have to say with my stuff but just the offer that was so affirming for her to offer and like you said yeah it didn't matter what students ask what professors ask she and she'd not seen any of those questions and she answered them i heard from one of the one of the people that was on from the community and they said boy oh boy that was a smart woman that's exactly what they said they said she yeah. was so smart and then they said and all those questions were so smart <laughs> that was being asked and she answered every one of them so yeah it was yeah just yeah. amazing We'll Go give ahead. Dr. Kelly a um, a co-hosting credit for that because he asked a lot of good questions. Yes, <laughs> yes, he did. He he's another one of those that went with Matthew Kelly when he's around. I just start smiling. I don't know why, but I just love him, and I just think that he has so much to offer and so much to give, and the way that he gives it. So. We had a great time. There's a lot that we missed that we didn't say. We forgot to talk about Steve Fisher and Kathleen uh, Chambers, Felicia Mitchell coming back. They were their 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 retired faculty. They came back and shared with us the night and talked all about the Women's Center and their the women and gen, women studies program and their vision for it. And so we've got that on file. If anybody wants listening on us, if you want to hear it and it was recorded. And so we're really excited about all those kinds of things. And I've, Carla's given me the signal. We're out of time yet again. And uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about maybe on our next show, we want to talk a little bit about uh, the Women, Gender, and Justice Center and how it's going to be getting up in the fall. And we're excited. We want to talk about uh, why have 
a Women, Gender, and Justice Center at Emory Henry's campus. And we'll talk a little bit about that and get your feedback and your input. But Carly, I'm excited again already thinking about what March was like. And then we could have March all the time. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and in fact, um, you know, we do, we've been doing some research on women's centers and things like that. And, you know, part of what makes a women's center successful is having robust and very engaging programming. Um, and I think last year's um, Women's History Month and this year's Women's History Month have definitely proven that we we can do that. We are good at it. We uh, The guests we get are amazing. So yeah, we're really excited about what we can do with that. So thank you all so much for um, joining us today. It was amazing to be able to recap the month with you all um, and you know get you excited, hopefully, about upcoming programming. We, like I said, in the future, we're going to talk a little bit about um, women sitters, the research that we've done, what we want our Women and Gender Justice Center to look like. So we're really excited about that. And we would like to bring on some members of the Women's Collective here on campus to help us to have that conversation. So definitely stay tuned for that as we go forward. But thank you all so much, and we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks. <laughs>